Well, good morning and welcome into MCC. If today's your very first time here, let me just say welcome. On behalf of me, staff, all the rest of these crazy folks that call MCC home, it's an honor you take some time out of your weekend and be here with us, whether that's online or here in the room with us in person. Always an honor that we could gather together around God's Word. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Trent. Uh, amazing privilege of being a lead pastor here at MCC. We're in a series called more. And last week we talked about how less is more. This whole series has been about figuring out our finances and our faith. And if you're wondering like, oh man, see, I knew we shouldn't came to church. Like all they ever talk about is money. We do this every February for us as a church at MCC. So you just happen to tune in at the right time. Uh, but don't tune out. I believe that while this series is, is going to be practical and we're going to talk about money, uh, it can be one of those ones that's very easy to ignore, but also can be one of the ones that can be the most life-changing ones if we lean in. So before we dive into today, I want to circle back to what we talked about last week and invite you into a challenge that we initiated and gave out. We started this less is more challenge, and it's already been awesome. It's already started to get up steam and kind of take off. What we encourage people to do is to take a hundred things, whether it's clutter, whether it's things you don't need, whether it's stuff that's just kind of at your house, a hundred things from your home, clear them out that you don't need anymore, and then Take those things, bring them here to us, and we're going to do the hard work from turning your less into more for the kingdom of God. And we're going to use this, this thing, this ministry, this birthed out of MCC called the Jesus Shed to do that. I've had to say that a lot in the last few weeks, and I've had to slow down to not say cuss words. It's been really fun. If you talk as fast as I do, Jesus Shed can be a problem. So what we're encouraging you to do, if you want to get in on this, there's still time. Uh, we're taking things out of our home. We're bringing them. You can either bring them um, to the, the church office over there across, kind of back that way. Uh, if you're watching online, just put it in, show up. We'll, we'll get you where you need to go. Uh, Thursday, uh, Monday through Thursday, 9 to 5, dropping off our stuff. And then the Jesus Shed, they are taking these things that, that we're giving, these things that we don't need in our house, and then they're selling them. They're creating a, a local yard sale where they're being able to sell these things uh, locally and on Facebook Marketplace, and then taking those funds and using them to further God's kingdom, whether that's through our missionary partners, or partnering with local ministries here, whether it's Crosswalk, whether it's our missionaries in India. Um, they they through just selling, you know, people's, you know, what we would call junk. They've sold enough of that to provide a whole ultrasound machine to our partners in India. So your less clutter is equaling more healthy pregnancies. So uh, I challenge you, get involved, come, at, come on. It'll be an awesome thing uh, for us to do as a church. Uh, there's still time to get involved with that. All right. Today, we are talking about no more stress. Specifically, we're talking about no more financial stress. And we're leaning in and talking about this because financial stress is a reality. It's a reality that most of us have experienced at some point in our life, are experiencing right now in the seat that you're in. I've never had anybody in, in the times where I've counseled people and worked people through premarital counseling or counseling just for their marriage in general, where people have come up to me and go, man, Trent, let me tell you, bro, our marriage, ever since we got into financial debt, it has just gotten so much stronger. Nobody has come up to me and said, man, before... Back when we didn't have like all these high interest rate payments, we used to fight like cats and dogs. But now that we have them, it's just peaceful, man. Like we're just, it's just easy going, nice, calm. I've never heard anybody go, man, this high interest credit card is just spicing up our love life. <laughs> I guess this, you know what they say is true. High rates equal hot love. <laughs> Nobody is saying these things. But. I have heard plenty of people, and you've maybe even said it this week, things like this. 
I wish we had more financial ability for one of us to stay home. Because this whole virtual learning thing, it ain't working. I wish we had more resources to be able to give and to help people. But we're not even close to being there. I wish when I looked out over the hill and I thought about our future, I felt at peace about it. But I feel nervous about the present. I feel even more terrified about the future. I wish I could work a job that I was actually passionate about and felt called to, and not one that was just kind of miserable, but it paid the bills. Or I wonder what our marriage would be like if every month we didn't have at least one really big argument about money. See, these are the conversations we're actually having. And I know when we talk to a room like this and a group of people watching online like this, this is one of those topics that kind of makes us squirm in our seat because, like, especially if you're here with your spouse, you're going like, hey, we kind of know this, and this is kind of the thing we sweep under the rug. And, like, I know it'd be easy to check out, to pull out a phone, to go to a different tab, and, and to move off of that. But I want us to lean in here because at the end of the day, financial stress and the things that come with it, in our society, they've just become normal. Like, we have normalized financial stress. But you know this, that just because something is normal... It does not mean it is easier to manage. It doesn't mean it's easier to get out of. And it doesn't mean that it's less stressful. And so just because something's normal doesn't mean that we can just ignore it and pretend that it'll just go away. That's a very bad financial strategy. So my hope today is that we lean in. We actually go, okay, here are the baseline start of where I can go to understand that, man, this thing is not just an online bank statement thing. This isn't just an argument at home. But on a much deeper level, it's affecting my relationship with God is affecting everything in my life. See, when it comes to debt, two things that I think we all have in common. Debt, it makes us feel helpless, and it makes us feel hopeless. And that really shouldn't be a surprise. We've all been there at some point in our life. We felt hopeless. We felt helpless. We've not known how we're going to get out of this. That's what debt does. And the Bible actually told us that that would be what it would do. If you've got a Bible, go to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. This is what it says. It says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. And see, when you read a verse like that, like we can go, okay, cool, yeah, I understand that. But do we? Do we really see what like, the Bible calls us there? It's not that just like I owe some stuff. See, when I think we get to this baseline understanding, when we read that S word there, slave, it changes things. See, some of what has got us into financial trouble is a misplaced identity. Because we were trying to be somebody else, we bought something else that we didn't need. And what happens when we do that is the Bible says you didn't just buy something to be something else. You actually, in doing that and getting in debt, you actually did become something. And that something that you became was a slave. Now that slave thing, that's the thing that our father God, who sent his son on the cross to be whipped, beaten, and mutilated, to give his life for us, to set us free from slavery to anything, that's the thing that he has a problem with. Us being a slave to anything. Whether it's a sin, whether it's a lender, regardless, he says, you're my son, you're my daughter, I'm a king, and you're a king's child. You're not a slave, so don't act like it. Now, 
for a second, I want us to, you know, we feel this, and when this is the tension we're kind of in, I want, us, I want you to, for a second, again, we're going to try to get from A to B, but sometimes you've got to see what B looks like to actually motivate you to get there. Imagine what life would be like if you really were debt-free. I'm talking everything, like the freedom, the flexibility, the ability to just move on a whim. If you really were debt-free, imagine what that life would look like. Imagine, this is crazy. Imagine if something broke, you could just fix it. And you didn't have to get angry, like a washer or a dryer breaks at your house. And you're cussing out a washer and dryer. Like it's an inanimate object, has never done anything to hurt you or to be mean to your family. Except all it's ever done is clean your clothes and then something goes out on it. And we're ready to like drop kick it. And we're not mad at it. They're like we may take our anger out on it. But the thing we really should be mad about is the debt that got us to the place where just fixing that, something that brought all that up in us. Imagine what it would be like to when you see a need, whether it's in your community group, in your church, in your kid's sports team, you're just able to meet it. And maybe this sounds weird coming from me as a pastor, but like, you don't even have to pray about it. You're just like, there's a need, here's a hundred. It's that easy. On it, like I didn't have to fast, didn't have to pray. I could still eat lunch today, and I helped you out. Imagine what it would be like to have that type of freedom to be able to help people. And speaking of help, Jesus, he offered us help in this area, but he did it in a weird way. See, Jesus, after he went to the cross and was resurrected. He showed back up to his disciples, like his team, for, for a couple of different times. And he tried to encourage them and tell them what was about to happen. And, and he was trying to get them to understand how they would have power and ability to be able to keep this crazy movement that is Christianity going without Christ, him, like being their boots on the ground. And he told them this crazy thing. He said, guys, it is actually better if I leave you than if I stay with you. Now, again, put yourself in their shoes and see what they have seen. They'd seen him raise people from the dead. They'd, they'd seen him turn, like, you know, a little kid's lunchable into dinner for thousands of people. They'd seen him do all these things, and so they're going, no, like, it'd be really good if you stay here. It doesn't make any sense. But what Jesus says, he says, I'm going to be with the Father, but don't, don't freak out. I'm sending you, and he chose these words in particular. He says, I'm sending you a helper. And what he was talking about was the Holy Spirit. And the point that he was trying to make to those disciples there and to us disciples here is that the Holy Spirit inside of you is better than Jesus right beside you. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit of Jesus inside of you is better than Jesus beside you. Now, Mo, you may hear that in regards to finances and go, like, I don't know, man. Like, if it had been me and Jesus... Strickland Chevrolet, I don't know, like if we were on the car lot, if I would have bought the truck that I bought. And, and if Jesus was my real estate agent, oh, we'd probably live in a different house. And if me and Jesus were at Home Goods, like the buggy would have probably been empty. So it would have been nice to have him beside me during all those things because I could have maybe dodged a few bullets fiscally. But here's the deal. If you're in Christ, put your faith, trust in him, and baptize and then you have received this Holy Spirit. And Jesus called the Holy Spirit our helper. What we sometimes fail to realize about 
this available help that we have to us that is its job, like that is the Holy Spirit's job to get us out of those troubles, to get us out of those things, is that the Holy Spirit, it's its job, it's his job to help us, but it's our job to ask for help. See, that's where we get messed up. See, if the Holy Spirit's job to guide us through this, it's the Holy Spirit's job to guide us through to the place where we're not financially stressed, where we have no more stress. That is part of God's job for you in your life. Now, some of us, we should be rejoicing there, going, oh, man, that's awesome. Again, it's the Holy Spirit's job because the Holy Spirit saw what happened between God and his son, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit knows, and again, the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit knows how much it grieves a father God when he sees his sons and his daughters, us in this room, us watching online, still living as slaves in this life. So he wants to do everything he can to help you be free. That's his job. But friend, it's your job to ask him to do his job. Because one of the things I love about God, but I hate about God, is he doesn't force himself on me. He doesn't make me do it. He asked for me to willingly open my hands and say, here is the control that I had. I'm giving to you. Please help me. So what I want to keep through today on a deeper spiritual level than we maybe were yesterday or our last weekend is three prayers. Because that's where this, like, getting out of debt and, and beating financial stress, it, like, maybe it seems overly simplistic, but I really do believe it starts in prayer. That's where everything good will begin. So I'm going to walk you through three prayers to no more stress. They'll apply to finances, but friend, they'll apply to other things too. So plug and play. First one is this. God, give me self-control. All right, let's pray that together. All right, you came to church today, we're going to pray together. All right, I'm not just going to be the one who does it. We're all going to pray together out loud. It's going to be crazy. Let's do this together on three. We're going to pray this prayer. God, give me self-control. One, two, three. God, Give me self-control. Now, you shouldn't have, if you were married, said, God, give them self-control. Like, you still should have said me. Like, make it personal. This is a big prayer. Because there's a lot on the line. Proverbs 25, 28 tells us that there's a lot on the line. It says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Now, we live in a, you know, our modern society, and there's not a whole lot of giant walls around our, our city. But what it's talking about here in, in you know, historical cities would build these giant walls around them so that they could see. They put people up on top of the wall so they could see who was coming, and it was their way of staying safe. A city whose walls were broken down was a city that was vulnerable. It was open for attack. It was almost asking to be taken advantage of. And that's... That's a hard pill to swallow when you connect your lack of self-control to you asking to be taken advantage of. Say, look, hey, I want to have the wool pulled over my eyes. I want to be a mark. And so a lot of times we don't connect those two things to a lack of self-control, but they're there. See, within inside of every one of us, there's actually a two-year-old kid. And some of us, it's maybe a three-year-old. But most of us, we have this two-year-old kid inside of us that wants what it wants and wants it when it wants it. And when it doesn't get its way, pitches a fit. 
And now some of us, like some of us, we have different two-year-old kids in our lives. Like one of you, some of you are married to what feels like the one who has, like he has a little bit more two-year-old kid in, in him. You know, we all know it. if you're married in the room, you know the spender and you know the save, saver. Um, not the savior, okay? Um, that's Jesus. But we know who those people are. If you don't, you should have that conversation. If both of you are spenders, have fun. <laughs> if both of you are savers, you know, no fun. I've, you know, I've, had, I've done marital counseling for them, uh, too. It's, it's just as bad. But inside of every one of us, there's a child that wants what it wants and wants it when it wants it. And whether that's buying the thing right now or not buying it so that we can save up and save up and save up and save up for whatever may happen, it's the same kid. There's a, a Christian therapist um, named Dave Allender. He said that all children, they're born asking two questions. Those two questions are, are one. First one is, am I loved unconditionally? The second question is, can I have what I want when I want it? This is why sometimes in a shoemaker household, when our kids are pitching a fit, I'll, gra- I'll go come up to them, I'll give them a big hug, and go, I love you. No. <laughs> like, and this has been foundational in me, like learning how to parent well, because like it, it's it, you see it all over the time. And so when we're seeing this on our kids, how do we know when they're maturing? Well, for me, I know when my kids are maturing and, and they're growing in this and they're growing in their understanding of the first one, because them knowing that mom or dad loves me unconditionally allows them to be able to take the no. Well, mom or dad is not giving me, you know my fourth bag of Skittles today because they hate me. No, they love me unconditionally. They're just choosing not to give me Skittles. Uh, They're telling me I can't play Fortnite for the 15th hour of the day and I have to take a shower, not because they hate me, but because they love me unconditionally. I just can't have what I want right now. See, a sign of maturity in our children as we're walking them through this is their ability to handle being told no. But for us as grown-ups, we'll apply it to what we're talking about today, financially, Nobody's telling you no. Like, you have the card. You have the wallet. You can go sign your name wherever you want to sign it. You can go to the car dealership. You can go to the house. You can go to the bank. You can go wherever. And you get to be the one who determines this. You have this freedom as a grown-up. It's dangerous stuff. And so our marker maturity isn't necessarily the same as a child's because we don't necessarily have someone telling us no unless you have one of those of God spouses who tells you, no, we can't do that. So what's our mark of maturity? Our mark of maturity is being able to tell ourselves no. Being able to say no. Right now, that's not what I need. Right now, that's not what is best. Right now, I'm going to delay the gratification that maybe could come for having this thing because I know that getting this now also means getting the stress that comes with it. The author of Hebrews, I think, grasped this pretty tightly and gave us some help and wisdom in this. In Hebrews 12, 11, it says this. It says, no discipline. See, right off the bat, this verse is no fun. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. So he, he's making it really clear. Like, and let's, well, let's apply to what we're talking about today in regards to finances. And again, the Bible is, speaks into this stuff. It's very, very realistic. And if we take it at face value, it will change our lives. He says, it's not discipline. Or it's a, it's a discipline, and it's not going to be easy and pleasant and fun to say no to those things. 
Like when the 12-year-old comes to you and is like, I want the iPhone. Like they're going to make it seem like you're being child abuse and they're going to call defects on you for not getting them an iPhone. And that's not going to be pleasant to walk through. The Bible makes that clear. Would it be easier to go and get the brand new car? Yeah, that would be more pleasant than driving a 1994 Honda Accord that smells like Fritos. That would be more pleasant. It's clear. And it says it's going to be painful when the little girl slams the door and says, I hate you because you didn't buy me a unicorn. Like, you're, not, you're not making any sense. Like, I can't even buy you a unicorn. It's going to be painful sometimes. But then there's another sentence to this verse. Let's look at it. Later on. And those two words right there, friend. Those are two words that we here, we have a really hard time with. We, we have a hard time with in due time. I've said it before, like we're the people who burn our mouths on hot pockets. Like we have a hard time waiting on things. Later on, it's tough for us. He says, however, later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. See, harvests take work. Harvests take planting, plowing, and sowing, and reaping. That's how a harvest happens. It's not a microwave process. But he says, however, if we can say no and delay some gratification and not get that one thing and have a little bit of that self-control, it will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Trained by it. I mean, it's going to be like exercise. It's going to stink at first. Like nobody's just showing up at the gym and working out or doing burpees in their garage because it's like ice cream. They're like, man, this is, ah, this is so easy. Like, you know, if it felt good, everybody would do it. But it's, it doesn't. Something that has to be trained in. And so what I want us to know in this is you're going to be faced with a question with every spending decision that you make as a family and as an individual. And the question is this. Do I want a harvest later on of righteousness and peace or do I want a harvest right now of bondage and stress? Really, every, every spending decision we make is a spiritual decision, and it's really based on those two questions. Is, am I willing to, to make a decision now that's going to lead to righteousness and peace, or one that's leading to stress and more bondage? Second prayer that we need to pray, if we want to have no more stress in this area, is God, give me understanding. God, give me understanding. Let's pray this one together, too. One, two, three. God, give me understanding. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. And you're going to notice this common theme as we talk a lot about this financial stuff. We're going to book a Proverbs a lot. Like if you're like financially lost, uh, Proverbs is a great book to start. A lot of things that we'll talk about in, in the FPU, the Dave Ramsey class, that we're going to open up to you guys at the end of this series. Pretty much all of that is right out of the book of Proverbs, just, just straight through there. So you're looking for a place to start reading God's Word. You need some help, some understanding in this. Start reading Proverbs. There's 30 chapters in there, one for every day of the month. Just go through there. It says this, in regards to this, this prayer, give me understanding. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. So those, those first three verses right there are, are all repeating kind of the same idea of tuning your ears. Like, And again, like you have to tune a dial on, on a car stereo. You have to actually physically go to a different spot concentrate on understanding cry out for insight and ask for understanding and here's how it says to do those things search for them as if you would silver 
Seek them like hidden treasure. The author of this proverb, he knows without a doubt that the thing that people seek hardest is money. That's why he says, when you seek God, and he could have chosen everything in the entire world to compare how you should seek him, the one thing he said to say, okay, of all the things that people seek, the thing they seek the hardest is treasure, is silver, is gold, money, whatever. You know how you seek that? Seek God harder. Seek God more consistently. Seek God more faithfully. Be willing to do whatever it takes to seek him. And he says, when we do this, we gain understanding. We don't gain the money. We gain an understanding of how the system works and how our heart should work in regards to it. Now, when it comes to like financial understanding, most households have kind of people on both sides of the fence. And you know who you are. Like one of you is the person, when you start a new job, you're calling the other one going like, like I know I have th- three kids, but are all of them, are, how many dependents do I have? Like I don't, are they all dependent on me or just the older one? Like how many, like, we, like what's a, you know, what, is this a 103B? Is this a, like how much is, like we all have that person. And you feel like an idiot when you have to make that phone call. And the other person, you feel like they, they may be an idiot. Or you sat down with somebody when, you, when you're trying to buy a house and you don't, you don't even know what APR stands for. You're just like, I'm lost in this. They don't teach us stuff in schools. And, and you show up at these things and maybe get the wool pulled over your eyes. But again, I, I've never sat around with a group of young adults and had them say, you know what, Trent? I'm just so thankful for my student debt. And if I have a first child, I'm going to name her Sally Mae. That's going to be her name. <laughs> and the reason that happens so often in, in young people's lives and in college students, I mean, it happened for me is we don't have understanding. We don't have knowledge of what's really going on on this form or on this paper, and we don't understand that the whole fiscal system that we exist in is designed to make the rich richer. It's not designed for your success. And here's the thing that should bring you some peace. is friend, you're not designed for this world either. We're designed to live backward, upside down, Christ-following lives that aren't about accumulating treasure here. Again, I made this really clear that we talked about heaven and then we talked about money right in tandem because there's only one, that like, I can't, I'd, I'd have a hard time finding anything else that keeps people out of heaven more than greed. Now, lust for more money. Jesus said it's, it's impossible for a rich person to enter into heaven. That's not hard. I mean, that's hard, hard to swallow. He says, but with God, all things are possible. And so, in your life, in regards to these things, is the understanding you have about these things from God. My hope is that we would seek to understand the truths, the, the realities of these things, and be able to get to the place where we can actually live like the people that God created us to be. Give us self-control. How many of you have... Uh, have you ever heard the saying before, like you've listened to maybe Dave Ramsey on the radio or somebody else, or maybe heard a pastor say this uh, saying, um, you have to say no for a little while so you can say yes for the rest of your life? You've heard that maybe before? Well, I've heard it too. And like on paper, that sounds good. Say no for a little while so you can say yes. And like it wraps us up in that thing we just talked about around self-control, but My question is, if I'm saying no for a little while so I can say yes for the rest of my life, 
who am I saying yes to? That's a danger with stuff like that. Like it sounds good on paper, but is that biblical? See, the, the model and, and the understanding that we're after here is understanding that I'm not going to live a frugal, penny-pinching life and say no and be self-disciplined so that then I can just go say yes for the last 30 years of my life to all the things that I want to do. Both are just hedonism. Both is just me being self-centered and doing what I want to do. So you can either be the person who said, I'm going to be self-centered you know, from here to here, or I'm going to be the, per- self- the person who's self-centered from here, and then it's going to look more frivolous back here because I saved more up front. So when we talk about this idea of saying no for now to say yes for the rest of your life, it's not saying yes to a retirement home in Key Largo. It's saying yes to what Jesus would call you to do. To say, I'm going to save and be out of debt and have financial margin so that when Jesus lays it on my heart to fund that family's adoption, I can say yes. I'm going to be out of debt and create margin in my life so that instead of retiring in Key Largo, I can go to Kuwait and become a missionary and not spend the last 30 years of my life collecting seashells, but saving souls. See, when we talk about saying no to say yes later on, it's, it's all from that point to here, it's all about saying yes to what Jesus is leading us to, not so that you can have a really fun end of your life with a lot of money. Third prayer. I think Jesus is calling us to ask, to have no more stress. It's God, give me a plan. Okay? You, you've given me some self-discipline. You've given me some understanding. Now i got to have a plan. Like we got to let the rubber meet the road and something actually change in this thing. Give me a plan. Proverbs 21.5, it says this. It says the plans, not the thoughts, not the feelings, not the emotions, the actual plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Uh, the Hebrew word there for haste uh, it translates, uh, I felt sad, so I went shopping. Um, or my friend got a boat, and I want a boat too. That's, what, that's how haste translates. Or I purposely didn't pack all those things when we went on vacation to the beach so I could buy new ones once we got there. Yeah, we're catching on, by the way. Um, <laughs> Some of you laughed because you know it's true. That's so good. Oh, man. We have to create a plan. We have to create a plan. You don't just... Here's how I heard it said this week. You cannot... You can wander into debt, but you cannot wander out of debt. You can, you can wander in it. We've done that. And again, that's why Jesus said, and we talked about this last week, He said, watch out for greed. Because greed's different than other sins. Greed's one that's hard to see on other people, and you're in it before you realize you're in it. And debt's the same way. If greed is where you start, debt is where you end. And he says, listen, you can wander into debt. Sign this, buy this, swipe that card, Venmo that, whatever. You can wander into it. But nobody just, on a whim and a prayer, finds their way out. So what I'm encouraging us to do as a church family. This is, this is the practical. Because again, we can come in here and you hear a message and you laugh and you find stuff and you get a little bit of, you know, your toes stepped on and you walk out and nothing changes. But I like, I'm so over that. Like, 
I want your life to be different and to be better. But I, as much as I can preach a good sermon and make that happen, maybe, like, it's all in what you're going to do when you get out of here. So uh, here's what I would encourage you to do. Go home. If this is, this is something that's tension and struggling, like, don't sweep it under the rug. Get it out in the open. Deal with it. Make it real. Make it obvious. Here's what I'm challenging you to do. Add it all up. All of it. I mean, this is one of the beginning steps in, in Dave Ramsey's thing, but add it up. All the debt that you have. House, car, student loan, credit card, whatever else, medical, whatever. All, put it all on there. Put it all on a piece of paper. Add it all up. Circle it. And then I encourage you to pray this simple prayer. Holy Spirit, help. 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 And maybe you come back to it. It's not a one-time thing. Again, when you, you, you have a workout plan or you have a plan of attack, like no plan is a one-day thing. If it's only one day, it's not a plan. It's an agenda. There has to be a plan. And so last week, I told you to go clear out 100 things in your house. This week is clear out all the excuses to ignore the things that are keeping you in bondage. Like, if I'm a slave... It doesn't do me any good to wear like long pants that cover up ankle shackles and a hoodie that covers up how my wrists are bound just so other people can't see that I'm a slave. And we got to get past just trying to cover up these things that we're bound to and, and get towards freedom. And my hope is that we would be that type of people who say, I'm willing to do the hard things. I'm willing to invite Jesus in on this to get the help that I need. And we're going to do what we can as a church to help in that. And like, if you need financial help, like we can, we can help in those areas. If you need help making a plan, again, this is, I cannot wait to, to open wide the gates of Financial Peace University, whether you're online or in person, we're going to do what we can to make that available to you. And some of you, that's going to be your big step. And it's going to be a life revolutionizing thing that's going to change your family and families to come because of it. You even begin to now make those plans. And today, as we wrap up, we're going to receive communion. You haven't, if you're in person, you haven't got one, they're back there in the back. If you're online, maybe take this time to go grab it. As we take communion, I want you to see this, what you're getting ready to receive in communion, in light of knowing that while you may have some financial, like actually in the count, debt, that if you are in Christ, that means your debt has been paid. A debt that no amount of planning, prayer, or anything else could have taken away. That could only be taken away by faith in Jesus and what he did in his finished work on the cross. So as we get ready to receive communion, I want you to know that a hundred years from now, it won't, it won't matter if you've declared bankruptcy. A hundred years from now, it won't matter how much you had in your Roth IRA. It won't matter if you drove that 1994 Honda Accord for years and years until the wheels fell off or if you lived a lavish life that everyone on social media would like, comment, and subscribe to. What matters is what you did with Jesus. And if you chose to receive the amount of debt that he paid off for you. And if you have, I pray you meet him in these moments and you thank him. 
those of you who are watching, maybe you're at a place where you're like, hey, I have this void in my life that I've been trying to fill with stuff. Friend, you, you feel that and the stuff hasn't satisfied it because that hole in your heart cannot be satisfied by things. It can only be satisfied by Jesus. And I invite you in this moment to receive his love, receive his payment for your sins so that you can stand before him. And like we talked about in Hebrews 12 too, be righteous and at peace with God. Let's pray and then commune with him. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that we can come to church and hear your word and then go out and be the church. People who are reckless and abandoned because they've been set free from slavery that can give lavishly, abundantly, ways that the world would look on and go, what in the world? What are you doing? And that we would be able to tell them that I'm living this way because of the hope that I have in Jesus. This world is not like my home. My home is a place where a father, my father, has endless supply. And he promised that whatever I let go on this earth, he'd pay back a hundredfold in ways that I can't imagine. So I'm living this open-handed life. And church, as we live this open-handed life, I pray that we never forget that our Savior Jesus had his hands open and nailed to a cross so that he could receive the love and grace, all of it, that he has to offer. In your name, Jesus. Amen.